Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 17 as we continue our study through this first book of the Bible, this book that we believe is foundational in the understanding of Scripture. We want to look today, we want to look today at Genesis chapter 17, uh, and we'll be looking at verses in chapter 18, and we'll also be looking at verses in chapter uh, 21 with some special application uh, for mothers. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 and 2, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will confirm my covenant between you, between me and you, and will greatly increase your numbers. There's a lot of rich stuff in this verse. Let's look at it. First of all, we see that the Lord appeared to Abram. We don't know how he appeared. We don't know in what form he appeared, but here's something significant. Abram did not miss this visit from the Lord. And God, who does not need to introduce himself, says, I am. Abram, I want you to know this. There's one thing you got to know. I am the Lord Almighty. In Hebrew, the name what? El Shaddai. I am El Shaddai. El Shaddai is a name that delivers a sense of power. It means all-sufficient one. It means God of the mountains. Not that God uh, resides in the mountains, but when you see the mountains, you have to look up. God is exalted as if he were the one you are looking up to. He is the one that you look up to. His power is not limited by norms, or nature. No problem is too big for El Shaddai to handle. God Almighty works in what seems to be impossible situations. When you, when you think something can't happen, God's power is proven when it does, right? El Shaddai will always deliver on his promises. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what some of your issues may be. Your situation may seem impossible. I, I want to remind you today of God's character and his attributes. They never change. His name was, and, and it is, and it will always be El Shaddai. And I can't promise you he'll give you what you want. But I can promise you he'll give you everything you need, and I can promise you he'll give you everything that he has promised. God always delivers on his promise. El Shaddai gave Abram two commands. Check these out. The first one is walk before me. I've read that a lot of times through the years, but I never really thought about what that means. Walk before me. Now, you mothers would know this when you're at the park with your children, right? You want to make sure that your children are what? They're in your eyesight. They are walking before you. You're usually walking behind them so you can see where they are. And that's what God's telling Abram to do. Walk before me. I want to see where you are. That means walk openly before me. Know that I am watching you. Know that I am behind you. And know that I am protecting you. Know that I'm guarding you. Know that I'm not letting anything hurt you. Walk before me so I can see you. Walk openly. And know that I'm always behind you. I always have your back. Always. Walk before me and be blameless. Not perfect, but live in consistent obedience. Walk blameless. 
Now, there's one other cool thing in this passage. God says, I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Now, this is the third time Abram has heard that. So we'll talk in a minute. That's a reason he's going to doubt. He's heard it for the third time. But the neat thing in this passage is he says, I'm going to, cov- I'm going to confirm my covenant. And he, re- and he starts by being the Lord appeared. The Lord is that name Yahweh. And remember when we looked at the name Yahweh? Yahweh is the God of relationship or the God of covenant. Uh, Yahweh is the covenantal God. So here Yahweh says, I'm going to confirm my covenant, my barit with you. Because I'm the God of covenant, Abraham. I am the God who loves you and cares for you, and I will never disappoint you. Look at chapter 17, verse 3. The next thing we see here is God changes Abram's name and changes Sarah's name. Chapter 17, verse 3, Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, uh, this is my covenant with you. You're going to be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. The name Abram means exalted father. And you can't name a little baby exalted father. So he's probably referring to his, his, Abram's father, Terah. You are the son of an exalted father. But your name's not going to be Abraham or Abram anymore. Your name will be Abraham, father of many or father of multitudes. For I have made you the father of many nations. I will, I will make you fruitful. I'll make nations of you. Kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant, an everlasting covenant between you and me and your descendants after you for your generations. The whole land of Canaan. Look at verse 8. The whole land of Canaan, where I am now, you're now an alien, I will give to you as an everlasting possession and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Turn over to chapter uh, 17, uh, verse, or turn over to verse 15. God changes Sarai's name. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be what? Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations, the king of peoples that will come from her. Sarai and Sarah both really mean the same thing. It's the the princess or or queen. You're going to be the queen, the mother of of, of, of many nations. Now, the significance of God changing their name is not, is not necessarily what he changed their name to. It's the fact that he changed their name. When he changed their name, this was, this was a time, like, like Paul, right, in the New Testament. You, you were called Saul. You're going to be called Paul. A time of new significance, a fresh start, a new level of being used by God. And by the way, that's what happened to, uh, to those of you who are moms, right? There's a day you had a child. And that day, your name changed. Mother. Mom. The most privileged name. Building the next generation. And I don't know what titles you have before your name or after your name. And I know they are impressive. But the most impressive name you have is Mom. God's given you tremendous blessing. That's what you should be most proud of. And God's given you tremendous responsibility. Now, along with this covenant, God gave Abraham a sign of the covenant. And it's the sign 
of circumcision. Look at chapter 17, verse 9. God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant and your descendants after you and your generations. This is the covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. This is the deal. Here's the covenant. Here's going to be the sign of the covenant. With Noah, it was the rainbow, right? I'm not going to destroy the earth again. This is going to be a different sign for you. Uh, Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Look at verse 14. Skip down to verse 14. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God said, this is a big deal. This is going to be the sign of the covenant. Every male in the household, that's going to be the sign. Now, Let's think about why this is so important. And we, talk, we, we see this sign of circumcision in the, New Te- in the Old Testament and the New. Just to speak frankly, the sign is sexual, right? It's, it's the promise. God is promising Abraham that his seed will bring forth generations. So the covenant sign is connected to that. It's, it's the We always have known God's blessing of sexuality, but here's the first time that that God joined faith with the act of reproduction. And there are three things that are significant about circumcision. Let's, Let's think about this. Number one, human nature alone cannot generate offspring. We know that. Children are a gift of God. First, our, our, our Psalm uh, 127, verses 3, children are heritage from the Lord, the offspring are reward from Him, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So we know that. And with this covenant is that constant reminder. Secondly, it's a constant reminder of married couples to preserve their purity. God now is saying the intimacy you have in marriage is connected to the covenant, the Old Testament covenant. It's not just something you do. Again, faith and sexuality are put together. It had always been not only a physical act, but a spiritual act. And now God drives that home. Thirdly, the physical act was symbolic. Anytime God provides us a sign of something, like baptism or like communion. There's a symbol to it. So the symbol of circumcision was a, was a cutting off and a separation from the body, right? The spiritual symbolism is the same thing. It is a cutting off and a separation from the old way of life. Things have changed. We, we, we are cut off from who we used to be before Christ, and now we're, we're, we're separated from that, and now we become the, the creation God wants us to be. And that, that, that sign, while, while physical in the Old Testament, was spiritual as well. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love Him with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, Right? So what's God saying? I'm going to circumcise your heart. I'm going to separate your heart from the way you were going, and I'm going to transform that heart. I'm going to allow your heart to to go my way. It's It's going to now 
be transformed, separate from the old. When we come to the New Testament, there are many Jews who became believers, and they were still holding to the act of circumcision. In fact, a huge debate and an argument in the New Testament church was, if you become a believer, and again, while it happens to the male, it impacts the whole family, it's the whole covenant. If you become a believer, do you have to be circumcised? And the Jews, the Jews who were bringing their faith from the Old Testament said, absolutely, that is mandatory. You have to do that. So that was the debate. And Paul was saying, a time out. The physical aspect was for the Old Testament, Israel, now, for the church, Gentiles and, and Jews alike are coming together, and now we're looking at the symbolism, the act of, of the symbol of circumcision, uh, Romans chapter 2. Paul says, a person who is not a Jew or a person is not, who is not of God's chosen people, the Old Testament, right, who is one outwardly, a person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is now God's chosen person, a Jew, who is one what? Changed inwardly, and circumcision is a circumcision of the, quoting Deuteronomy, Paul here is, circumcision is by the heart, is of the heart. It's not by the flesh now, it's by the Spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people but from God. So this act of circumcision, Old Testament, a physical act, also symbolism to it, now becomes strictly this beautiful symbol in the New Testament that there's a cutting off of the old. It's, it's, it's 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? If any man's in Christ, he's a what? He's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Separated from the old, made alive to the new. So, God gives this uh, covenant to Abraham, and how do you think he responds? Look at verse um, 17. He fell face down, and he laughed. He laughed to himself, and he said, seriously, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said, God, look, I, 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 I appreciate it, but let's just, I mean, I already have Ishmael. You remember that story of Hagar and Ishmael? I already have Ishmael. Let's just, let's just do the covenant thing. Let's just do the line through Ishmael. If, if only Ishmael might live under the blessing. Let's just do that. Here's what God said. Look at verse 19. Yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for the descendants after him. He, as for Ishmael, God says, I'm going to bless him. He's going, to be a, he's going to be the father of 12 rulers, and I'll make him a great nation. But my covenant, this is verse 21, will, I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. First thing Abraham does is doubts. And, and you know, we, when we look at Scripture, we're looking at the video, right? We see what all happened. But you've got to put yourself in Abraham's shoes. Genesis 12, God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. Years go by. Genesis 15, God says, hey, go out of your tent, look at the stars. If you can count how many there are, you can't count them all, but if you could count, that's the number of your descendants. 
That's 15. How many years do you think it is between 15 and chapter 17? 13 years. So Abraham's saying, God, I, you know, I've heard this before. But God does something different this time. Remember what he says in verse 21? I will establish with Isaac, by, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by what? This time next year. This is the first time God puts a time frame on it. It's going to happen. It's not just a general covenant anymore. By this time next year. And I want you to see what Abraham does. The first thing he does. That drives it home. By this time next year. That drives it home. Look at verse 23. Immediate obedience. Not sometime later. Not Abraham thought about it. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those in his household, and he entered into the, the sign of that covenant. He, he ratified the covenant with the sign of circumcision. Doubt, now the timeline, immediate obedience. So when Abraham hears what God's going to do, he laughs, and um, Notice how Sarah responds. Look at chapter 18, verse 9. You remember we talked last week about the three visitors. Two we know were angels. One was, uh, is actually, uh, the pre, I believe, the pre-incarnate Christ. He is mentioned as Lord. He's called Lord. And so these visitors are there, and they say, Where is your wife Sarah? They are in the tent, Abraham said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return. Up when? About this time next year. Now we got a date. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old, uh, well, old and well advanced in age. And Sarah was well past the age of childbearing. So Sarah, what did she do? Same thing as Abraham, right? She laughed to herself and said, after I'm worn out, my master is old. Now, well, I now have this pleasure. And, and uh, I, I love verse 13. The Lord said to Abraham, why, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I have a child now that I'm old? Mark this in your Bible. We'll come back to it in a second. Is what? Read it with me. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Third time, he tells them, I will return to you at the appointed time next year. Sarah will have a son. I love verse 15. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But God said, yes, you did. You laughed. <laughs> and when you're talking to other people, you can say, yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. But when God says, yes, you did, that just stops it <laughs> right there. Yes, you did. That's it. Turn over to, to uh, uh, chapter 21. Now, the Lord was gracious to Sarah. And as he had said, he did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time, the fourth time, remember, at the very time God had promised. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son. Why did he call him Isaac? What's the, what's the word Isaac? mean? Anybody know? means he laughs. Every time they called their son Isaac, they remembered, they laughed in doubt, 
and they laughed in joy. When his son Isaac was eight uh, days old, uh, Abraham circumcised him and God, as God had commanded. Again, immediate obedience. Uh, Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. <clears throat> and notice what Sarah says. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Her laughter of doubt was turned into what? Laughter of joy. I mean, when people hear this, they're just going to break out in in, in joyful laughter. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The laughter of doubt, God turns into the laughter of joy. All right, moms, here's the takeaway. Let me just talk to you just for a little bit. And uh, here's, here's what I want you to take away from this sermon. God's name is El Shaddai. Nothing is impossible with him. You believe that? I know you believe it here. You believe it here. God's name is El Shaddai. He's the all-powerful one. Nothing is impossible with him. Some of you are going through some hard times. Maybe this is the first Mother's Day you are celebrating or remembering without your mom. And you're feeling the grief. Or maybe it's been a few years. But Mother's Day is a tough time. Whatever type of grief you're going through. I just want to remind you that God's name is what? El Shaddai. Nothing is impossible with him. I have no doubt. Some of you have challenges in your marriage. And you may say, you know what? I, got, I have children. I get that. I have blessing from God. But, but my marriage is tough. And it's hanging by a thread. I want to remind you something. There's this God you serve. Remember his name? El Shaddai. Nothing is impossible with him. And if you're a believer, if you're a believer, you can never say, my marriage is beyond repair. You can never say that. Because you serve this God, what's his name? El Shaddai. And nothing is impossible with him. He's a God who does miracles. Well, you don't know my spouse. You're right, I don't. God does. And he can change hearts. You see, nothing is impossible with him. Some of you are praying for the salvation of your children. And you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying. And you've talked to them and you've sent them stuff. And, and I just want to remind you, I just want to encourage you, keep praying, man. Keep praying for your kids. Because the God you're praying to, you know what his name is? El Shaddai. Nothing is impossible with him. Some of you have kids who are not walking with God. You know, maybe you don't even know if they're a believer for sure. They, 
If they are, they're not living like it. We got this great conference coming up May the 14th for parents of, of, of uh, teenagers and adults and it's, uh, children, and it's a great conference you can go to. But I want to encourage you. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Because when you pray, you're praying to this God. What's his name? El Shaddai. Nothing is impossible with him. Some of you may be going through a health issue. Tests aren't coming back like you had hoped, had prayed. You got your kids, and now you got this health issue, and you're worried about the future. Maybe you got an addiction going on. Maybe no one else knows it. You got some secret sin. I, I, I just want to encourage you. Whatever it is, you're not alone, and it can change. Whatever it is, it can change. I say that because God's name is El Shaddai, and nothing is impossible with him. I know that Mother's Day can be the hardest day for some of you. You have desired a child, and in God's perfect will, and I want to remind you, it's his perfect will, he hasn't uh, gifted you with the child. And, uh, and this is a tough day. Many of you aren't even, many of you don't come on Mother's Day because of that. So you've had to, you've had to deal with, the, with the, some of you with the death of a dream. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. And I want to remind you that God's name is El Shaddai. And, uh, and he can... He can supplant that desire for a child with, with his presence and with his healing and, and with, a, with the desire that can, can take that passion and, and turn it into something that just is significant for him. You see, God's name is El Shaddai and nothing is impossible with him. Let me leave you with three verses. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. Jeremiah says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. You are the great creator. And what's the conclusion to that? Nothing is too hard for you. Jeremiah 32, just a few verses down, 26 and 27. Now the prophet responds, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Now God's talking, and he asks a rhetorical question. Anything too hard for me? What's the answer to that? No, it's not. Because my name just happens to be El Shaddai. Nothing is impossible with me. One more verse. I know you moms fix a lot of stuff, don't you? You can get it fixed. You know what? There are some things in life you can't fix. Certainly, you do whatever you can do by God's strength and by His power. You walk before Him in obedience. Sometimes there's stuff in our life beyond us. So here's the verse I'd like to leave with you, one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Exodus 14, 14. 
The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Maybe that battle raging within you is just eating you alive. There's no peace, no calmness in your life. God will fight for you. Just be still. Just trust Him. Call on His name. El Shaddai. Nothing is impossible with Him. You believe that? It's true. We just got to keep praying that we work it from our head to our heart. El Shaddai.